It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Reno is in. You heard it. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. We're live. Silver Sevens off of Paradise and Flamingo here in Las Vegas. We got VGK Hockey coming up on our sister station. The pregame is actually starting right now with RTHD, Ryan the Hockey Guy. Puck drop, 5 o'clock over on 1340 and 98.9 FM. Candy, how was that? How was our number one? You good? I could do two more. I'm just telling you. That was so good. I could do I, not even one more. I could do two. We are going to push you to the limits. Push it to the limit. We're going to push. We're going to push it to the limit. I'm. I think I've told you about the days, and you've seen it when uh, Cofield goes like full cornholio in the style of Beavis. I'm getting amped up. I don't know why I'm getting amped up, but I'm getting amped up. Are you ready? <laughs> I don't think so, but I don't think I have a choice either. Yes. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents. The Big Four at four. Number four. See, these are the moments I like because most of the time I'm in control. I know where we're going. We got a rundown. We do all the work during the day. Everyone puts in their stories. So you sent over a story today about talking about betting lines, but when I clicked on the link, it was bye-bye. So you know what the story's about. I have no idea. This is going to get wild and crazy. Ooh, maybe I should be the one going full cornholio on you here, but uh, it's actually going to be Eric Spolstra who's doing the work for me. Yeah, so uh, a reporter decided that it might be a good idea to ask Eric Spolstra what he thought about the Miami Heat being eight-point underdogs to the Boston Celtics. And Eric Spolstra's response was exactly what you would hope it would be. We don't give a S. People stop asking. They don't care about betting lines. They're not going to talk about betting lines. No matter how pervasive it becomes in the media, there's no coach or player who wants to talk about betting lines. And if they do, they're going to give you a stock answer in the first place. Oh, no one's believed in us all year. Oh, we always knew we were the underdog. (laughs) Yeah, you're the number one seed last year, and you weren't a real eight seed this year. Stop. But Derek Spolster didn't take the bait, and good on him for not taking the bait. It's a lazy question, and it's one that they don't want to answer in the first place. And you know what? There isn't a single player who knows whether they were eight-point underdogs, whether they were 18-point underdogs. Nobody knows how big of an underdog they were until you tell them, because in their minds... They've always been the underdog. We had Kirby Smart out here talking about Georgia. Georgia football as an underdog. The presumptive national champion the entire season. Oh, nobody believed in us. No, we, we, we all did. You were the number one team all year long. It, it's lazy. Don't do it. Number three. Are you sad to see Evander Kane and all his good time stories gone from the NHL playoffs? Mm, Vander Kane, Vegas mascot in so many ways. <laughs> They've not only made him a, uh, a poster boy for lack of responsible gambling, but he's also kind of become a fun punching bag for the Golden Knights, right? Like, doesn't matter what team he shows up on, Golden Knights find some way to beat up on Vander Kane. So the, the note that I sent over actually has to do with a story uh, about Evander Kane getting a pretty favorable ruling in 
a bankruptcy judgment, right? Evander Kane has, as we know, been in massive debt. He listed when he filed for bankruptcy, $26.8 million of debts and $10.2 million of assets. And a lot of that is ultimately going to be forgiven. But um, there was a detail in there that kind of caught my eye, Steve. Uh, his former girlfriend is one of the creditors who is still listed among those seeking money from him. Apparently, Evander Kane, according to his girlfriend, promised to pay for abortions with an S, and she claims he owes him $3 million for abortions that she had that she was promised payment for that she never received. Evander Kane's wild, man. Like this, like, this dude's got issues far beyond what I uh, what I thought was possible. Like wondering how deep down the rabbit hole you're going to go on this one if you're going to start discussing. Oh, 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 oh! I think you the cost the cost of the act. What was said between them? Why is it three million dollars? What is happening here? What does she uh, have on him? Was Brett Kavanaugh involved? I have no idea. Like like all of these things could could go way down a much, much deeper hole, which by just saying that by itself maybe might not be my wisest choice. Number two. Cofield and Company Live, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Ari's back at the Finley Toyota Studios. We're at Silver Sevens on Flamingo and Paradise. Do you like Jack Eichel, like, really like him, or are you just an onlooker? Because I'm a fan. I'm pretty much an onlooker with Jack Eichel because I mean, he's let us in a little bit, but I don't feel like we really know that much about him. But I, I hear it. I hear where, you, where, you're, uh, where you're coming from. Interesting conversation. Well, it was a, someone reading a question to Kelly McCrimmon, where McCrimmon kind of went from beginning to end on the decision to trade for Eichel and now what he's giving the Knights in the playoffs. Here's Kelly McCrimmon on the Jim Rome Show. The motivation behind the trade was, uh, you know, for me, when you look at Stanley Cup champions, uh, they generally have, you know, a number one defenseman. They generally have an elite number one center. Uh, we had good centers. We had a good team. But we didn't have uh, a player of the caliber of Jack Eichel. And I think that some of the unknowns that come with it is Jack had never been in the playoffs. And it's not a case where... Uh, Jack didn't have a good reputation in the playoffs, hadn't played well previously in the playoffs. He'd never been. So uh, this year, uh, him arriving in playoffs and, and really uh, it probably took a game uh, for him to, uh, you know, to, to settle right in. And he's just really flourished. And the thing about playoffs for me, uh, you know, just uh, over uh, the years that I've been involved is they make players better. And some guys really, uh, flourish, and that's what we've seen from Jack. He has played tremendous, and not just offensively, but just the things that help you win, because that's what it comes down to. You know, a lot of games are, you know, three-two at this time of year. So, what are you doing to help uh, to help us win? And certainly, he's had his uh, more than his share of offensive moments, but he's played a really good 200-foot game, and uh, you know, I think is uh, you know really uh, gaining confidence and enjoying uh, the experience of being in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, I love what McCrimmon said there about the 200-foot game because it completely came to light. It's happened a lot this year, but it completely came to light in the waning moments of regulation in Game 2, and he did a lot of the work to set up the marshy game-time goal. Well, look, 16 points in 14 games, so on the offensive end, we know exactly what we're getting out of Jack Eichel, but as you mentioned, 
you know that the best players in the NHL can play at both ends of the ice. Connor McDavid, the number one player in the world, plays on the penalty kill for the Edmonton Oilers. And so I'll go back to what I said at the time of the trade. When a player of Jack Eichel's caliber is available, you don't worry about what you've heard. You don't worry about whether he got the preferred surgery that he wanted to have. You get him. You get Jack Eichel because there are only so many of those players in the world who command the kind of attention from other teams that Jack Eichel does. And I don't think last year was any sort of a real barometer about what you're going to get from Jack Eichel. And I also don't buy this whole idea of, is he a playoff performer? The rink's the same size. The ice is still cold. He's going to be able to play his game no matter what else is going on. And he's surrounded by great players. He doesn't have to be that guy. Mark Stone is the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights and the number one defenseman that Kelly McCrimmon mentioned, Alex Petrangelo, has been the captain of a Stanley Cup winning team. So Jack Eichel can come in here and just play hockey. Would you go as far? I'm, I'm going to kind of counter on that one. Uh, if I say I don't think they would win the Cup without Eichel, is that ridiculous? No, not at all. No, Jack Eichel has been, if not the most important player, one of the two most important players along with Mark Stone. Because having a healthy Mark Stone is the difference between what you saw out of the moments of inconsistency in the regular season for the Golden Knights and what they are right now. Number one. Raiders OTA media availability. The mandatory minicamp is coming up. June 6th to the 8th, so there are some faces you would expect to not be there. But it feels like a weird mood around the team, and I know they're just about getting the work done here, but we do have a lot of questions so far in an offseason that was supposed to be onward and upward. Or, Candy, was that the plan? Because I'm not so sure it was, and I don't. Now I'm starting to think maybe 2024 wasn't the goal in terms of high-level success. Maybe it is 2025 with some of the stories we're seeing. Your guess is as good as mine, Steve. I have no idea what the plan is supposed to be because they've made moves that kind of look like they're for now and they've made moves that kind of look like they're for the future, but neither one of them have been definitive enough for me to say, yep, this is what a Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels plan looks like. I mean, let's just recap what we've seen, right? Let's recap what we've seen so far in the offseason. They tag Josh Jacobs with the franchise tag. He has not shown up for any of these voluntary workouts, and they say everything's okay. Take their word for it. Players hold out all the time. Uh, They trade away Darren Waller, who appeared at Giants workouts today, and Darren Waller was pretty clear in saying to the New York media, quote, they value our opinion here. Well, it seems to be a pretty clear contrast to what he's talking about with uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, we saw them jettison Derek Carr for apparently a now, I don't know, unavailable at best Jimmy Garoppolo. And they had a number one draft pick in Tyree Wilson, who they knew at the time was probably not going to be ready until training camp at the earliest. Also, they traded up twice in the fourth round during the draft this year. So they spent draft capital instead of acquiring draft capital. And if you think it's just me being a negative Nancy No, go look at ESPN.com right now and you'll see Bill Barnwell rank the Raiders offseason 30th out of 32 teams overall. It's not just a yokel like me who doesn't have any idea what they're doing. It's the experts, too. I don't believe all the rankings on the defense, but somehow the defense went from being one of the five worst in football 
with draft capital and some money under the cap, somehow now at least one site, Pro Football Network, has the defense ranked 31. So these are weird times. And as you said at the beginning of your comments, I'm not exactly sure what the goal is here, but now I'm really getting thrown off. I guess Jacobs isn't going to be around until there's some sort of resolution, and that's going to come up in July. And there may not be a resolution. He may just have to play on a one-year deal. We don't know what's happening with Renfro. Is something going to change with Renfro on June 1st? What do you think? That's an even better question, right? I didn't even bring up the Jacoby Myers signing, which doesn't make sense in any way other than to say we wanted a Patriots guy in here. And Hunter Renfro has been one of the success stories from the previous administration. Like, if you want to go back and say, yeah, we need to get rid of the guys who were bad draft picks from the Gruden-Mayock era, fine, go down the list. We panned plenty of them. Hunter Renfro was the ultimate success story alongside Max Crosby from that group. So I don't know. If Hunter Renfro goes two for the cost of nothing for the purpose of signing Jacoby Myers, is that not just another version of the Derek Carr-Jimmy Garoppolo trade-off? feels that way to me. At quarterback, who starts game one for the Raiders? If you put that up on the board, is Jimmy Garoppolo a massive minus? You know, minus 500 to start game one of the regular season? No, I think you got to make Jimmy Garoppolo with the injury probably minus 150 or so, right? That's like it. He is the starting quarterback, but how do we know? How do we know he's never healthy? That's the knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. He's never healthy, and now we know that he wasn't healthy at the moment the Raiders signed him to replace Derek Carr, a guy who was never injured. 364-1100 is a number caller. Check that. Seven Aces tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone. It's presented by Westar Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen of Henderson. Aces tickets for the game on Sunday. 364-1100. Caller 7. Emergency press conference if you're a Dallas Stars fan. If you were one of the fans throwing stuff onto the ice after the second period, turning your card right now. I don't want you, the fan base doesn't want you, go home. You're a absolute embarrassment to this franchise, this city. Just go home. Here's some uh, Dallas Stars fans there talking about the behavior of other fans. Candy, what exactly happened in the game and then after the game with the Stars fans and Game 3, the loss, their behavior? Well, everything in that game turned on Jamie Benn cross-checking Mark Stone down on the ice in the neck. So that began the problems. Then we have to go through the theatrics with Max Domi, who gets kicked out of the game after his kerfuffle with Nick Haig and the Dallas fans. And I'll tell you what, I, I, for one, Steve Cofield, was shocked by the actions of people who I assume are also Dallas Cowboys fans in so quickly turning on their team and tossing things down on the ice and creating a scene that ended up having to force the officials to send the players to the locker room 20 seconds before the end of the period and come back out and play those 20 seconds at the beginning of the third period. And when we did... Aiden Hill, when he walked back out onto the ice for the Golden Knights, was pelted with a bucket of popcorn. The Stars organization apologized, but frankly, I thought Aiden Hill had by far the best reaction, the best quote of the entire playoffs for the Golden Knights when they asked him about the popcorn. He said, quote, after his shutout, I guess everything was hitting me tonight. (laughs) Pretty smooth. Pretty smooth. So I got to call you potentially on the carpet, but I don't know the answer. Uh, you made reference to the Cowboy fans being dirtbags. Um, 
Do the Stars fans have a rep of doing anything like this in the past? No, it's not that. It's more that I am going to take any opportunity to take a gratuitous shot at Fairweather Dallas Cowboys fans as I that. have. And if you if you bring that onto my table, I am going to eat every bite. <laughs> These things happen in games. I, I just I, I am curious about the reaction. Because I wouldn't want hockey to get a bad name over this. But I just I wonder no, what set, I, I wonder what set them off so badly. I mean, you, you mentioned some of the things, but it, these things do happen in games. That's the thing. Like, I, it, this is not a brand new fan base, right? Nope. It's a Dallas Stars team that has won the Stanley Cup before. It's a Dallas Stars team that's played for the Stanley Cup multiple times when it hasn't won. I, you guys know, I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. When the Devils beat them for the Stanley Cup on Dallas's home ice, there wasn't this kind of reaction. So. I just don't understand what what the frustration level got to that point. Maybe they're playing off what they saw on the ice. I'll tell you what. When I referee games and a coach or a player really gets going and it incites the crowd and they really get going, it's a real thing. So maybe they're just playing off what they saw on the ice and they decided that they could have that reaction too. Did you see any defenders of Jamie Ben, because I was expecting a few, but I didn't find really anyone who could come up with a good defense. I mean, there's, you know, oftentimes there's just people who want to go contrarian and 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 get on the side of frustration. Hey, it was a ref's fault, and you know, wasn't really that bad of a violation. Anyone on his side at all? Unfortunately, Steve, quite a few people were oh, on really? the side of Jamie Ben. Yeah, and and shockingly, they were all in his own locker room. Uh, Here's some of the quotes from the Dallas Stars that came out after the game. Tyler Sagan, who was the second longest tenured player on the Stars, said there was, quote, zero frustration with Ben. Uh, Joe Pavelski, who we know has been a long time guy at the top of the food chain in the NHL, uh, talking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. He asked him, are you disappointed in him? Pavelski responds, you guys ask if I'm disappointed in the guy I have so much respect for, who battles so hard? I have no problem with him. Pavelski also said that, quote, Ben went for a little extra. Really? That would be like me going to 7-Eleven to get a big bite and instead going to the Bacchanal buffet at Caesars and being like, oh, sorry, took a wrong turn. Decided to go for a little more than I set out for originally. It's insane. Jamie Ben quit. He quit on mm -hmm. his team. Yep. He's the captain of the Stars, and he quit on the game. He knew exactly what would happen when he did that. He's been around long enough. He has cross-checked a guy in the neck before. It's not new. He did it to Dylan Larkin in Detroit. He quit on his team. He's the captain of the Stars in a sport where being the captain is supposed to really mean something. Oh, yeah? He quit. Why are so many teammates afraid to call out other teammates? You can do it in a responsible way. Is well, the entire team going to turn yeah. on you? I mean, I listen, if we go if we go back to the end of the Golden State Warriors run, which is probably over with this group as it is right now, they got walloped down the stretch by the Lakers. And I've I've pointed out multiple times. I don't like the Warriors, but for a second I was like, Man, this is kinda sad. You know? Clay Thompson's on the sidelines looking all depressed because he played like crap. Steph didn't play well. And I will say it repeatedly, 
Draymond Green did what Draymond Green does. When he gets frustrated, he acts like a child, and he committed a bunch of stupid fouls and then started limping around. I guess the injury was real and basically took himself out of the game in two ways. I'm hurt, and uh, I've got foul trouble, so you got to get me off the floor. Like, is a guy like that so intimidating that Steph Curry's like, yeah, he's going to punch me in the face and knock me out. He's going to sucker punch me, so I'm not going to step up and say, not cool. Because they will defend Draymond Green at every turn. And there, there are moments where you put your teammates in such a bad position like Jamie Ben did when other people on the team can go, not cool. Or is it that, is it, is it that we don't want to give the guys we're uh, giving these answers to any sort of satisfaction, which I will, I will always turn back on um, in situations like Devontae Adams questioning his team's offseason, Jamie Ben bailing on his team and leaving him out there to get embarrassed down the stretch and also setting a bad example for the fans. Draymond Green doing the same thing. Are they just comfortable with lying to fans? Because ultimately we're fans too. A lot of us are. You're not as much of a fan, but you are with certain teams. Because um, don't worry about us. You're lying to the people that follow you. And not all of them are freaking sheep and are going to believe your bullcrap. You're lying to the fans when you let your team down, you let yourself down, and you let the fans down by quitting in the middle or an early part of a game. Quit. It's the operative word. And even talking about that Golden State Warriors situation, Steve, Draymond Green quit on that organization the moment he sucker-punched Jordan Poole. And then, after that, they try to go on and pretend like everything's cool. Well, you know what happened? Steve Kerr actually did take some accountability at the very end of the season. Steve Kerr said, I don't think we ever really got it past that. Okay. That, to me, qualifies as calling the guy out. That's the best we're going to get. <laughs> okay. That's the best we're going to get. They're not going to ever call him out for real. But, you know, I'll give Greg Wyshynski credit. He pointed out another example of when Billy Guerin uh, went through this with a situation years earlier, and he said that, it doesn't matter. We're all playing in the same league. We all want the same safety. We all want to be looked at the same way. When one of his teammates went down the Jamie Ben road, that to me is accountable because you're at least saying it's wrong without saying, I don't like the guy. I don't respect the guy. I think the guy is a jerk. None of those things. All you're saying is right. what he did was wrong. And that's what we want. We want you to all look at the same thing we're looking at. We all see it. Everyone sees the same thing. Don't try to gaslight us and tell us we're not seeing what we see. And it is one million percent. I know they're all part of the same club, like you just said. It is one million percent okay to say that ain't right. And I'm glad the Knights have stepped up and said with Jamie Benn, who, you know, the other part of this is he ran out of the arena without having to answer any questions after he lost his temper and he got dirty and put another player uh, his health and safety in harm's way, and it's Mark Stone who's got health issues to begin with, and you're trying to repeatedly pin him down by his head and his neck with your stick. You owe it to Mark Stone. Don't even worry about the fans or the media or even the rest of the Golden Knights. You owe it to a fellow competitor who you were trying to injure. You owe it to him to say something, and then even worse, he goes home, sits on it, thinks about it, and then comes in the next day, Candy, and is like, hey, man, just trying to brace myself from a fall. Like, what? God, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Do, 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 you, ever, you ever had that happen, Steve? You're starting to, you're starting to fall down the ground, yeah. and, you, and you take a giant stick 
and you just whack somebody with it, and you're like, oh, that was about to hurt. Well, who did I tie to the story earlier? Draymond Green. How many times does Draymond Green get tied up with someone, uh, then goes to an extra level, will trip or kick the person or do something else to them and go, it was all about my safety? Like, you're lying, and you're insulting the other player and the other team and everyone in the game. Cut it out. And I know you are unlike me. I am a lunatic, and I may look at this as an opportunity. Hey, I'm up 3 nothing. I don't have to win this game. So you want to go with freaking goon package? Okay. Let's see how many necks and heads I can pin with my stick tonight because now it's on. Now, that, that, that's not the prudent thing to do. But it, it could happen. I don't think it will happen, but it could. That's the one thing the Golden Knights can't get sucked into. They have more games to play this season. They're going to be in the finals. They can't go in there shorthanded. They can't have another Alex Petrangelo two-handed over chop like he had on Leon, Leon Dreisaitl. That can't happen for the Golden Knights tonight. That's their entire goal in this game is to avoid that because now the Stars playing without Jamie Benn are going to find themselves in an even worse situation. It's not like they looked like they had any fight left in them, at least the, uh, you know, respectable kind. Uh, official night's pregame radio show is going on right now with Ryan, the hockey guy. He is live at the still Centennial Hills, north side of town, 215 right there near uh, 215 and Durango, 6430 north Durango. Beer specials include 350 on the Bud Light and McUltra, $5 mango carts, food specials, 9 bucks for short rib tacos, carne asada fries, ton of specials, and the watch party's going on the north side of town to still Centennial Hills. The Border Collie, handled by Jennifer Crank from Pickerington, Ohio. Pink wants to get the party started tonight. That is it. Look at Pink's fly. You can't stay ahead of Pink for too long. Nice extension all the way around. Pink's ahead of the pace. Through the weave holes. Just stay smooth and clean. Phenomenal job. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Nice job there on Fox. FS1 with the doggy racing. Ari, where'd you find that? Pink. Pink the dog. Pink the dog. Good Impressive. Old, good old Twitter. Never fails. Uh, give me your impression on the race. Why did that catch you? Why'd you send it over? I, the energy, I, if you saw the dog was like, let's go. Like the whole time, it's like you. Oh, sorry. A little technical issues there. Yeah. it's uh, He was more fired up than I've ever seen even you. So, and then as soon as she, he couldn't wait. And then as soon as he let, she let him go, there's her, I guess, the dog. It was on. Impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. All right. We'll bring in Candy. Ari's Michael will go off here. Candy, did yes. you see, there you go, Ari, uh, did you see Pink the Dog, the, what would you, is that a slalom? That's like skiing, right? There was a slalom section for Pulse. this little dog, and I got to tell you, when they put the low-angle camera and the dog going, woo, 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 back and forth, that was impressive. It was impressive. I can't give too, too much credit though like really? border collies kind of the rival of australian shepherds my dog scout wait like, wait what are there do- you know wait. there's a little there's a little red sox yankees there like are there dog you know, rivalries i didn't know about this oh there's beef oh there's there's absolutely there, i can't there, tell if he's being sarcastic folks i think it's, are there dog rivalries 
just saying my dog when he goes out on the street and people like oh he's beautiful is that a border collie both of us want to look at him and go like no you jackass oh really it's an australian shepherd is that it is an australian damn shepherd is it consistent across the dog world that everyone hates either poodles or chihuahuas? The dogs themselves. Hey, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 easy, easy Who on the poodle. There's, there's, there's poodle. There's poodle. Uh, there's poodle blood in the candy family. Okay, be, oh, I didn't know. Uh, that. Okay, let's be. Bad. Let's let's be cautious there. My but bad. but uh, no, you know what we all hate. Let's let's come together. Let's get the dog world all together. You know who smells like crap all the time. You know whose ears drag on the ground, who's constantly just soaking up all of the scum of the sidewalks other than Ari? Basset hounds. Basset hounds. Nobody likes basset hounds. Those things are smelly and they are disgusting. If you have a basset hound, God bless you because apparently you just could have gotten a Roomba, but you wanted something that was alive. So it just soaks up all of the dirt and smell and then gives it back to you. Oh, must be fun. Very important thing to get to, aside from the dog discussion. Mm. Uh, Rhino, one of our P1 listeners, when we were talking about Jamie Benn, and I threw in Draymond Green, he said, you guys are really using the term quit loosely and strongly. Interesting choice. I almost never use it when it comes to athlete performance. So when I use it, I feel pretty comfortable using it. When it comes to Jamie Benn, I don't have another word. If you are in the first period of a must-win game and you are the captain of your team and you commit an act that you know everyone on the ice can see, the referees can see, the replay center can see, the act that you know is going to lead to, at the very bare minimum, a major penalty, probably going to get you kicked out of the game, and then you can't even stay long enough to account for your actions after the game, when again... You're the captain of the team. Right. To me, you quit. That's about as much quitting as you can do. You quit on the game, and then you quit on your team, and you leave them behind after the game to answer for your actions, and you don't stay around? Yeah. That's quitting. Sorry, not going to apologize for it. And I don't use it very often because I completely respect the kind of effort before and during games that you know professional athletes have to put in to compete at the highest level. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Giveaway time, 364-1100, Got LPGA tickets Saturday. The event continues. Started uh, yesterday, the LPGA match play tournament, Bank of Hope tourney. It's at Shadow Creek all the way through Sunday. Brought to you by MGM Rewards. Ari's got a pair of tickets right now, 364-1100. You can grab your tickets at axs.com so some lpga tickets for saturday ari's got your hookup three six four eleven hundred caller number seven brad powers how are you buddy excellent thanks for having me there's a little buzz out there brad more numbers are emerging for the opening weeks of the college football season am i misreading this uh were there only a few books that had it and now we're starting to see more and more come online yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, nationally, probably half the books have them up. Uh, can't say that for Vegas, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, if you were residing in other states, you you could, you know, I would even consider it be widely available as far as every week one game. I'm just not talking about the big game, you know, LSU, four states in the world. I'm talking if you want to bet a South Alabama-Tulane game right now as far as the side play, you can, uh, you can bet that. 
I'll get both of you guys on this one. Why is Vegas a little slow on this? I understand for the NFL draft. I understand for kind of deep divey stuff. First, Brad, why do you why do you think they're a little slow to get stuff up on the boards here in Vegas? I mean, they're pretty much slow on everything. I mean, the the one exception is uh, on a weekly basis when Circa is the world opener for college football. Other than that. I mean, in a majority of sports, Vegas is behind. I mean, they're behind in offerings. They're behind in putting up and posting stuff like this. It's just, I mean, they're behind. And we've been, and this isn't some, you know, new reality. I mean, this has been the case here for, you know, a few years now. Candy? They're behind in technology. The <laughs> apps here look nothing like the apps in the rest of the country. It's like Atari versus PlayStation. Um, <laughs> They haven't had to. The, 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 the market hasn't forced them to yet. And I'm not talking about people like Brad. I'm just saying, writ large, the market has not been able to you know, get any kind of change out of them. And you have a lot of old school guys running a lot of old school books. And the rest of the country continues to advance while Nevada stays pretty much the same. Candy, what's the final hurdle for FanDuel and DraftKings? I mean, the final hurdle is the biggest hurdle that it's been all along. The the in-person registration requirement where you have to go into a casino to sign up and in a lot of cases to, to fund if you're not technologically savvy. Uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I, I was told specifically by one of the founders of DraftKings as far as four years back that as long as the in-person registration requirement was there, that they wouldn't set up their uh, their app in Nevada. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I, they don't need. Well, you would it'd be crazy to say this, you know, prior to you know legalization. But they, they don't need the state of Nevada, the DraftKings and the Pandos of the world. They're fine without uh, having the state. And uh, I, I, I think Nevada's more in the wrong than than DraftKings uh, or Fanduel. I mean, Nevada needs to get with the times. All right. Well, eventually you'll be able to get these college football numbers. Uh, right now we're. Uh the final 10 days of May, and they're up in a lot of places, as Brad said, about half the books um, around the country. Uh, let's hit some games. Let's hit some games. And we've had a bunch of them, but now more of the opening numbers, and this will be a little deep divey, but file these away, and we'll see where Brad is on some games and what he's played already. Uh, San Jose State in the Mountain West Conference. Going to look different at quarterback, but, you know, they've looked. this will be the third year in a row they're going to look different at quarterback. Catching 30 against SC in a very early opener on August 26th. Yeah, I bet USC already. Now, there is one book in town that has opened it. Let's give them some kudos, Willie Hill and Caesars. That does have this one up. They had an early number on USC 27. Uh, right now, 29.5, 30. Uh, I expect the number to close 31. Uh, SC not afraid. I, I think they're the type of team will not be afraid to, to, to leave the starters in a little bit. Uh, and even the backups, I mean, they're going to run that Lincoln-Riley offense. So I, I look for them to get a significant margin here in San Jose State. I don't want to put you on the spot, but how much research have you done on San Jose State? Uh, just going off of memory, I think their win total was was relatively low in the Mountain West Conference win total numbers. I thought it was only like five, five and a half, six. I did enough where I watched their spring game. So I, I am familiar with San Jose State. Five and a half sounds about right. I would probably have it shaded more under than over in that regard. Uh, Cordero was playing in the spring game. He just had about one rep, so they do return him. They return a bunch of guys. In fact, some of the early uh, returning production numbers were incorrect on San Jose State. They actually returned more than what was uh, at least originally you know, written down on some of those popular 
ESPN Plus uh, articles. Uh, you can figure out the names there. So uh, San Jose State, I was expecting to be betting over their win total because of that misinformation, but I think they're uh, appropriately priced, at least in the win total market. He's up on Twitter at Brad Powers 7 BradPowerSports.com is where you can find him on the web. Another Mountain West Conference team playing on that first Saturday. That is August 26th. San Diego State is 4.5 against Ohio. How good is Ohio? I think Ohio is really good. I, I think they can be, you know, obviously one of the better teams in the MAC. I think on paper, talent-wise, Toledo is the best team, but Ohio is right there in the mix with Miami, Ohio, as far as the, the MAC uh, East goes. So, uh, you know, haven't seen too much movement with this number. Four, four and a half is where I made it. Uh, I see some, you know, books stretching out a little bit to five and a half. It would need to touch six for me to take the Bobcat. Brett Powers with us. All right, we move to August thirty-first, which is a. Uh, Thursday, what do you think of Nebraska this year? I know that you're pretty bullish on one Nebraska game against Coach Dion and his whole new squad, but uh, is Minnesota laying over a touchdown against Nebraska? Yeah, they are, and I understand. I mean, right now at the current number, I think it's a pretty good number. I mean, it's seven and a half, eight. Uh, again, kudos to Willie Hill Caesars. They put, they've released it six, was able to get a decent limit uh, on that bet there on Minnesota, so I, I laid the points there. I, you know, I think Nebraska can be much improved. I think uh, they can make a bowl game, and I know if you'd have told me that 20 years ago, they'd be like, oh, what, a bowl game? Who cares about that? But they haven't been to a bowl game last, each of the last five seasons. So uh, I, I think that should be the doable goal for them. But uh, I think they're up against it uh, on Thursday. I mean, Minnesota is just further along as a program at the line of scrimmage, even at the skill positions than Nebraska. So seven and a half is about right. Michigan State going to be recovered from a personnel standpoint, a mental standpoint to a weird off-season, 14, that's uh, on uh, Friday, September 1st, 14 against Central Michigan. Yeah, fair number. I was expecting to bet Central Michigan. Uh, I was hoping to get 17, maybe 17 and a half, because I want to you know, play against Michigan State with the recent news, losing a starting quarterback, losing an all-Big Ten caliber wide receiver post-spring. But it looks like the market's on top of it. That, that one, again, is priced pretty accordingly. How much of a jump up can Hawaii take this year? And they get a game against Stanford. Stanford obviously was reeling, and that's why they made a coaching change. I wonder how quickly Stanford can start moving up the ladder. I know right now they're considered one of the three worst teams in the Pac-12. The Cardinal are 10.5. Yeah, I mean, I can make a case. I think Stanford might be the worst Power 5 team in the country this year. Forget the Pac-12. So 10.5, in my opinion, is too much. Hawaii. If you thought, ah, they stunk last year. But I'll tell you one thing they did down the stretch. They didn't give up, and they covered a bunch of point spreads down the stretch after that abysmal start to the season with a bunch of blowout losses to Vanderbilt and Michigan. They kept fighting with Chang, and I think they'll fight in this game. Stanford completely inexperienced on both sides of the ball, completely different systems on both sides of the ball. Hawaii's a tricky place to play. Give me Hawaii plus 10.5. I have bet exactly that number. Louisville is eight against Georgia Tech. Saw a note today that uh, former Tennessee, former UNLV quarterback, backup for UNLV, Harrison Bailey, decided to go to Louisville. Interesting choice. How good is Louisville going to be, and how good are they going to be a quarterback? Well, Bailey's not going to be the starter, I can tell you that. Plummer, a Cal transfer, who was originally with Brom at Purdue for a few years. He'll be your starting quarterback for Louisville. Obviously knows the system. He'll be just fine there. I think Louisville can be a dark horse in the ACC. Obviously, Clemson and Florida State uh, are your two favorites, but Louisville's win total has been smashed up. I've been a part of that money at over seven. I think over seven and a half, you still find it is worth it. 
they're an eight and four kind of team, and wouldn't be a bit surprised if they make a run towards the ACC championship game. Brad Powers, we'll uh, wrap on this one. I saw you did uh, another one of the uh, podcasts. I think it was with uh, Furman on another smaller conference. Last week we talked about the AAC, which their losses, then their additions also affect Conference USA. So just an overview, you guys talked about Conference USA. What is the conference going to look like? What happens with the holdovers and the newcomers? Yeah, so uh, intriguing conference from a betting aspect. I don't think it's going to move the needle nationally. I think on paper, average power is going to be even lower than the MAC, at least this the first season. So who, who are the favorites? I, I think Western Kentucky cleared up favorite just because Austin Reed uh, is back at quarterback, the nation's leading passer. Uh, uh, they got a wide receiver, Corley, 101 receptions. He's back. So they're, they're the favorite. The, the, the co-favorite, sort of speaker, the team right with them would be Liberty, even with a new coach and a bunch of inexperienced players. They just they have better players than the UTEPs and the New Mexico State of the world. So Liberty would be that second team in there. Uh, you know, the newcomers coming new to not only Conference USA, but the FBF period. Jacksonville State, coached by Rich Rodriguez. Sam Houston State won a FCS National Championship a couple of years ago. So I think those teams aren't going to be you – know, I think they'll be competitive. I don't think – I expect them to make a run at the conference this year, but I don't think they're going to roll over and get blown out each game. That's at least my expectations for those two Brad, bradpowersports.com is the best place to go and, and sign up for your stuff, for your newsletter. I was looking at some of the info from that, and uh, I'll get a yes or no on that in a second. But you have – I think for games already, you, you must have 30 – plus games played and for win totals i mean the numbers are crazy so where can people get the stuff yeah you can go to bradbowersports.com uh yeah 92 win totals i'm up to that's different teams 92 different win totals wow. uh, positions and i i bet half a week one already i didn't post everything yet because i'm waiting to see if other books post different numbers but i got about 25 30 bets in on week one and i am very intrigued by the fact that you have some pretty good Heisman numbers on guys who really haven't played a whole lot, newcomers when it comes to taking over for a legendary quarterback at certain places, transfers. Is there one player, and, you know, funny enough, it's mostly quarterbacks because uh, that's what the Heisman has come down to, but is there one player where you looked and you're like, okay, I got a real good number on this one? Probably be Georgia, Carson Beck, 40-1. to 1. You're going to give me 40-1 to 1 on the number one team in the country, and I think he's a better talent than Stetson Bennett, who actually did finish fourth in the Heisman last year for Georgia. So that was my favorite bet that I made, 40-1 uh, to 1, Carson Beck. Anything over 25-1 to 1, I think is good. Uh, not joking here about Jalen Carter and that horrific incident, but the Georgia players haven't learned lessons. So uh, there's been a bunch of driving-related issues there. Uh, whatever hot rods, I'll, be, I'll sound like I'm real old here, whatever hot rods they're giving them are – Whatever NIL deal, they got to watch it a little more closely because kids are not learning their lesson. I mean, another kid got popped uh, this week for a driving issue. So uh, let's tone it down a little bit, Curb. Kirby mentioned post-game, he said the thing that will get us is entitlement if it creeps into the program. He hadn't seen it yet, mm-hmm. but that was post-game right after the national championship game. Maybe it's crept up the last three, four months. Brad, you're the best. Good spot, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, uh, I'm very interested in following Harrison Bailey at Louisville. I'm not sure that a jump back up to Power 5 was the right way to go, Candy. I'm not sure exactly what he proved here at UNLV that would suggest that he should be going back to a higher level of competition. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is 
I would guess their belief is that he never grasped the offense because it was a little too complicated here under Arroyo. But if that's – I wouldn't tell anyone that. <laughs> that's not a selling point. Like, like hey, I, I couldn't pick up on the complicated offense at UNLV. People are not going to take that the right way. But he, he never really did, and I don't know that it was just the offense. I, he just seemed to tick slow for two years every time I watched him in game action and even in a lot of practices. He just didn't look like he was picking up with game speed. All right, we're going to be tracking the VGK game. It's coming up here at 5 o'clock. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Alerts for bringing this hour to you for in, uh, in Reno.